It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have part three in our series, Revolutionary Christmas. And this one's called Peace on Earth. And we're grappling with the idea that we discuss at Christmas time. We sing about peace on earth, uh, but it contrasts in such a world of violence and hurt as we saw this last week in Connecticut. So. We're starting off this service with a song called Peace on Earth by U2. We actually performed it live in the service, but the recording didn't come out well, so the uh, first part of this will include U2's version of the song, but it's tied into the message. So pay attention to the words sung by Bono on this song. It's important to the message that follows. So let's head over to North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Take the time to throw a drowning man a 
persona To tell the ones who hear no sound Whose sons are living in the ground Peace on earth Jesus in the song you wrote The words are sticking in my throat Peace on earth Hear it every Christmas time But hope and history won't rhyme So what's it worth? This peace on earth Jesus, can you take the time, throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. I hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. Peace on earth. I think in times like these, when we see such devastation, it, it, the, the little songs on Christian radio just don't do it for me. <laughs> I like this song from you too because it gets at kind of even the heart of the psalmist. I love the book of Psalms because there's such raw honesty in the heart of David. Psalm 42, 9 through 10. David writes, I say to God, my my rock, why have you forgotten me? You don't hear that in Christian songs on the Christian radio, do you? Why have you forgotten me, Lord? I feel like the good guys are, are, are losing. The bad guys who hate you are winning. What is up with this, God? A little help. Do you ever feel like that on the inside? Do you ever feel afraid to share those thoughts, though? Sometimes we, we feel this way on the inside, but we, we feel uh, as if we're ashamed to, to be honest with God, even though, guess what? He already knows it. <laughs> We, we feel afraid to be honest with God that we're disappointed with the way that things are working out, the way that things are turning out. God, where is this peace on earth of which you speak? Is it just words? Is it just words on a Christmas card? Or is there something to it? And I think that, that these words of Bono in that song, they, they speak to that raw, God, I, I'm following you. I believe you're God. I believe you're my rock. I believe you're your unending love, but... It just is so disappointing when this kind of stuff happens. Where are you, Lord? I'm assuming that that everybody probably knows about the shooting on on Friday. Uh, If if you don't, there was a uh, a horrible event where a guy walked into an elementary school and he killed a bunch of kids in in an elementary school class, most of them first graders. A few adults, something like 20 of them dead. They said it was a normal day. Everybody was looking forward to, they'd had the Christmas concert the night before. They were looking forward to getting out of school at the end of the week for the Christmas break. There was going to be Christmas parties, everything like that. And it's all interrupted violently for no reason. It's not a war zone. It's a quaint little town, probably like Covington. 
you know, off the beaten path a little bit. It's not the type of place where this stuff happens. And yet, now it is. When we face such tragedy in our world, there's a mix of emotions that come up just immediately. I mean, Dina was at the computer just bawling for an hour the other night looking at the stuff. You know, she teaches a preschool. And, and, and I'm sure, I know we've got several people who are teachers in here. And just imagining what it's like to, to be put in that situation. And so we, we have this mix of, of, of a sadness and grief and disappointment and anger and just being dumbfounded. Like, how does this happen? But very quickly, we often move from that to, to offering answers why, right? I noticed it, it didn't take more than a, a couple of hours into the evening before there were theories on, on why this kind of stuff was happening on Facebook. It's, it's the, it, we, we need more gun control. We need more security in the schools. We need better psychological evaluations of people who buy arms. We, we uh, you know, s- somehow the people have felt it. I think the worst comments, though, that I heard were from Christians who have a platform in this country. There was one, one such comment that said, uh, basically, this happened because we kicked God out of the public schools. We shouldn't be surprised when people walk in and, and kill a bunch of kids because we kicked God out of the school. This is somebody who's a, a Christian and a politician, and they, they got a microphone. <laughs> and I'm thinking, out of all the dumb things that you could say in a moment of just sheer grief, to say that as a representative of Jesus Christ, like, what? What? <laughs> For, for one reason, I think it, it's, it's really bad theology. Because the God I serve, uh, you can't kick him out of a public school. I mean, if, if your God can get kicked out of public school with legislation, then your God's pretty small. <laughs> the other side is, historically, we were just talking about this last week, the Roman Empire, the first couple of hundred years of, the, of Christianity, it, did, was it legal to to worship jesus was it legal to pray no and yet we found out all throughout history the church actually is very blessed when it's illegal and it grows and it prospers so this idea that you can kick god out of school is ludicrous on the one hand the other side it's very small-minded of god and the final thing is even if it were true what you were saying which i don't believe it is it's a stupid thing to say when people are in the midst of grieving. And it's the same refrain that I've heard over and over the last 15 years. Every time there's some national tragedy, whether 9-11 or Hurricane Katrina, you've got people who are far removed from the thing sitting in, in media studios. And they say, oh, this is just the judgment of God. This is that people did things wrong. And that's, you know. That didn't help the situation when I was in Katrina. <laughs> when I was down there taking wet stuff out to the curb. Because you know what? It, it's not like Jesus at all. You know, the, you know what the good news is? We don't get what we deserve. That's Christianity. You know, 
So in the midst of a trial like this to come out and say, oh, you're just getting this because we kicked uh, Jesus out of schools. That's not the good news. The good news of Christianity is none of us get what we deserved. None of us get what we deserve. That's good news. That's a gospel. None of us get what's coming to us. And when we, when we communicate on behalf of Jesus, it should be something along those lines. But I want to turn our attention to the question today, the question raised by Bono. What do you do with this idea that we sing about, we speak about, we, we put it on Christmas cards? What do you do with this idea of peace on earth? Is it just sentimentality? Is it just a pipe dream? What is peace on earth about? Luke 2, verse 8 through 14 says this. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over the sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is the Messiah and the Master. This is what you're going to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. And at once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Peace to all men and women who please God. What is this peace that the angels are talking about. I think when, I, when we typically think of peace in our culture, you know what I think about when I hear the word peace? I think of about 11 o'clock at night or about 6 o'clock in the morning. There, that's peace in our house, right? Everybody's asleep. It's, I can get, in, get up in the morning and go drink coffee out on my back porch. That's peace, peace and quiet. Yes, that sounds like some of y'all are fantasizing about that right now. I experienced that once. But peace is, is, is more than that. Some people think of peace as just being an absence of conflict. Do you think that these shepherds, you know, you think, what is it at Disney World? They have the fast pass. I've heard of these fast pass things. I haven't been there since they offered them. I was there when they didn't have fast passes. But a fast pass is you, you get the, so I understand you get this fast pass and it allows you to go to the head of the line. Is that what the angels were telling the shepherds? Hey, peace on earth. You get a fast pass. No more sufferings. No more trial. Yeah. Is it a fast pass? No, it's not a fast pass. The angels weren't saying you're going to be exempt from trials or suffering. That wasn't true for the shepherds. It certainly wasn't true for any of Jesus' disciples. It wasn't true for Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He... Much of his ministry was characterized by suffering and trial. Well, what is peace? You know, if you go to Jerusalem right now, uh, the, the common way of greeting people is shalom. And that word actually means peace. It's actually a biblical concept of peace. It, it doesn't just mean, uh, I hope you have no conflict in your life. I hope that, that you get a few hours early in the morning where people are quiet. It means wholeness and well-being. I hope things are put right within you. I hope that, that your spirit, your soul, your body are, are, are at peace, that, that things are set right. That's what shalom is. I think that's more the concept that God is getting at. It's not that I'm going to... Rem- 
Shalom. Hey, we'll talk a little afterwards, all right, dude? Um, <laughs> but it's a wholeness within. I, I, when, when, when you greet somebody, I wish the wholeness of God's presence upon your life, that everything in your life would be put together right. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from stuff on the outside, but internally that you will experience the wholeness of God. And I think that that's what, what God's getting at. It's interesting to note in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus, in the opening part of his message, says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So it's not just that God wants us to have peace. He actually wants us to make peace. That we would actually show up in situations that Christians, I know this is a far stretch for the imaginations, that Christians would be known for actually not fighting with people, but getting in the middle of groups that are fighting and bringing the peace of God's kingdom. I know it sounds strange and foreign. God wants to bring his peace to bear in our life, but also that we would bring his peace to bear on this world. And, and you know what Jesus says about that? He says that when you're a peacemaker, you bear resemblance to your Father in heaven. You'll be known as children of God. One of the ways that we resemble our heavenly Father is by bringing peace. And again, bringing peace isn't this, you know, hippie, you know, smoking a joint and having your hands, you know, get a piece of chance, John Lennon stuff. It's, it's really... It really has to do with God's presence, what we sang about this morning, God's presence abiding in you, setting things right, and giving out of that place to the people around you, to the world around you. How can we be peacemakers in a world like we got today? I think one of the, the, the scriptures that God's really put on my heart since yesterday was Romans 8. I'm reading from the message. It says, all around us, We observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs, but it's not only around us, it's within us. Paul's saying the the, the creation, some translations say the creation is groaning in travail. Had any women in here that have ever been pregnant before? Yeah, I had a friend who had a kidney stone this week. I think it's probably, you know, as close as a guy can get. Uh, Except you can't hug it afterwards. Uh, <laughs> but groaning and travail. He, says, he said the, the, the whole creation of the world is groaning under the, the curse of sin. And, but, but it's also the, the, the analogy he used. It's like a pregnant mother. And he said it's not just out there. It's within us. You know when you read these stories on Friday about what happened. This tragedy in Connecticut. You're groaning within. Ugh. God, this isn't right. This isn't the way people are supposed to be. This isn't what is supposed to happen. Paul says, we're also feeling the birth pangs ourselves. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than the waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. You know, a pregnant mother, they can put up with it because they know it's going somewhere, right? They're getting more uncomfortable. It, it's, it, it's, it's hard to get in bed. It's hard to get out of bed. It, it's hard to do anything. The more pregnant you get, so I've seen. Uh, it's even hard for people to be around you sometimes. So. <laughs> 
my wife, when, when she was pregnant with, with Tevia, our first child, she went through this phase. I don't know if any women had this like hypersensitive smell thing going on. I'd get out of the shower and she's like, I can't stand the way you smell. I'm like, it's hard not to feel rejected. Like, I just got out of the shower. I know, I just can't stand you. You disgust me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick. I'm about to throw up. Okay, love you. <laughs> but we put up with that stuff because we know it's actually going somewhere. Paul says that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired of waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. You know what this says? It says, the world is groaning, we're groaning, and then God steps into our groaning and he groans along with us. He gets right in the middle of that and he makes prayers. Uh, You you ever feel like sometimes you're just so devastated, you don't even know what to pray. Like, "I, I got nothing. The good news is that you don't have to have anything because God shows up and he starts making prayers out of what you can't even say, what you can't even put words to or feelings to. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God has worked into something good. See, the the thing about being peacemakers is part of our job right now as Christians is not to figure out why this happened. It's to groan. It's to cry, to grieve with those who are grieving. God, I, I got no wisdom on this situation at all. I got no wisdom. I got nothing. I don't even know what to say. But God, I, 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 I'm letting your presence intercede through me right now. Your presence lift these people up. Secondly, we need to be honest about our own feelings. Kind of like the song I said earlier. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, I can't listen to Christian radio just because it's like, man, it just don't work for me. God is good all the time. Okay, I, I agree with that statement. But sometimes, God, where are you? And sometimes, you know what? God's not afraid of that sentiment. God is not afraid of some of your negative feelings. That doubt is actually a part of faith. Struggle is actually a part of faith. It's not something we got to suppress or deny. God, you know, know, Jesus, the the famous prayer that Jesus tells us to pray, the Lord's Prayer, what's he got? He says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth earth as it is in heaven. Why is Jesus asking us to pray that? Because obviously his will and his kingdom ain't happening everywhere. When we see stuff like this happen, and and believe me, there's going to be, I I guarantee it, by the end of next week, some other Christian person is going to get up on television and say, this was the will of God. That's not. That's not the will of God that this kind of stuff happens. That's not. And our job as Christians is saying, that's not the will of God, and I'm going to pray for the will of God. 
Does that make sense? Our job as Christians is seeing the world is not set right. God, let your kingdom come. Set things right. Bring your peace, your presence here on earth as it is in heaven. And, and the thing is that Jesus invites us into this process. We're here to participate. You know, a lot of people have this kind of fatalistic idea of God. Oh, God's almighty. He's in charge and he's going to do whatever he wants and everything. Uh, no. Jesus didn't. Teach us to pray like that, like God, you know, it's, you got it all figured out anyway. You're playing both sides of the chessboard, so, you know, I hope it all works out. Jesus says, you, you go to your, your, your heavenly father. You say, God, this isn't right. Can you bring your peace here? Can you bring your grace here? Can you bring your healing here, God? Can you let your kingdom come? Let your will be done because this don't look like your will or your kingdom. I know in your kingdom, this stuff doesn't exist. And I see a disconnect, God. Part of being Christians, part of being peacemakers is living in the tension between the now and the not yet. See, we believe in the vineyard that that Jesus' kingdom began to come when Jesus was doing his earthly ministry. But it ain't here in its fullness. We wait one day where we will see peace on earth. Where Jesus will turn, return and he'll set things right and he's going to rule everything. And that's going to be a good day. We're not going to see stuff like this happen. We await that day. In the meantime, we live in the tension. And I think a lot of Christians, they want to make everything very black and white. Like good guys, bad guys, do this, this formula. That. And, and really living in the tension between the now and the not yet, it's tension. It's hard. It's a lot easier to have little black and white uh, boxes where you can just file everything and everything just fits in its own little compartment. But if you're going to live the life of faith, it's going to get messy. And it ain't going to make sense sometimes. I can't make any sense out of these situations. I, I, I can't make sense out of a lot of things. But we're called to stand in the tension, to hold on to God and hold on to the hurting. Just like Jesus did. We intercede for the hurting. We ask for God's kingdom to come in. And you know, when God's kingdom shows up, we see peace. I've seen people get healed. I see people get set free. We're called to participate in that as peacemakers. And then finally, the last thing we do is we pray. Not that it has to be the last thing we do. The last thing on this list, we pray. We pray as people who can make a difference. And so this morning... I just want us to close. We're, we're going to invite the children from our children's ministry in here up to the front. And, and we're going to close with a time of prayer for the, the people up there in Connecticut this morning. And then we're going to pray for our own kids and for our own children's workers, all right? They can come in anytime they want. Before I catch my second wind. Y'all can just come up here to the front. I think I got about another two minutes on my voice before it goes completely out. Why don't we just first start off by praying a blessing over these children and these children's workers. Why don't y'all stand with me and we're just going to lift them up. How you doing, kids? 
All right. Well, we're going to pray for y'all today. Who wants prayer? Yeah. Okay. Right answer. <laughs> well, why don't you join with me? Lord, we, we thank you for these children gathered here this morning, God. Lord, we, we just acknowledge that they are a gift from you, God. They're precious. Lord, as a, as a community of believers, uh, we, just, we just pray for their protection. Lord, that no harm would come to them, Lord. We pray for their peace, your peace to be in their hearts, God, for your boldness and your courage, God. We pray that they would grow up to be men and women of God who know you, God, who stand for you, Lord. God, I pray your faith would be loosed in their hearts, God, that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't leave prayer and, and faith and all that stuff to the old folks, God, but they just have a confidence to, to approach you and, and pray for things to happen. We, Lord, we, we believe that you hear their prayers. Lord, as you said, such is the kingdom of heaven, Lord. So God, we just pray a blessing over each of these kids today. And Lord, this morning, we want to bless our childcare workers, Lord, those who go back there each week. I, I, actually, if you're a child care worker, uh, child care Sunday, kids church teacher person, why don't you come up here as well? Ed, and we got any others? Lord God, we just pray for every one of these folks that serve in the back, Lord, week after week, Lord, that Lord, they give up their time to be in here. Uh, to just love on kids, Lord. And we just pray for each of them, Lord. You'd give back to them. You'd refresh them, Lord, that they, they would know uh, that what they're doing matters, God. They wouldn't grow weary in doing well, but they would just just uh, just know your nearness. God, we pray that you gift them with wisdom, with understanding, Lord, the ability to keep communicating you to these kids. And Lord, finally this morning, we come to you on behalf of uh, the school up in Connecticut, Sandy Hook Elementary, Lord, for the community that is up there, Lord. We pray this morning that you would touch the families, God, of all those uh, who were part of this tragedy, Lord. God, we pray that you would touch their families, be near to them, God. Holy Spirit, we just admit, God, we got nothing here, God, but we pray you would enter into our groans, into our aching, into our sadness, God. We pray that your peace truly would come to these people right now, God. Healing would come, Lord. We pray the, the voice of the enemy, the accusations, the, the, the judgments would be silenced, Lord, that they would just feel nothing but the comfort of your spirit, your nearness, God. We pray protection over them, God, and we pray healing for that entire community, God. And Lord, even right now, we lift up our community, God. We pray, uh, Lord, that as we do move forward into the days of questioning and, 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 and visiting what, what needs to happen, Lord, that, that, Lord, you would give us leaders who have wisdom on, on how to handle the schools. Lord, they would be safe places for children, Lord. God, this morning, we thank you that you are peace. We pray that in the weeks to come, your peace would be un leashed in our hearts, Lord, 
And I pray for every person in here that we could be people who bring peace, who make peace. Lord, that your kingdom would come in our lives, our hearts, and in this community on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank y'all for coming. Uh, the, uh, we're going to, y'all hang out for a second. We're going to let them take the kids back and you can go get your kid in a moment so we can keep track of them. Yeah.